Welcome to The Leadership Line, a podcast that covers everyday work issues from dealing with jerks at work to feeling burnt out. Tammy and Scott's experience, along with their different perspectives, help listeners grow, examine realistic options and alternatives, and identify those actionable solutions to the tough issues we face every day at work. Welcome to the Become More Zoo, where we are wild about great ideas. <laughs> I love these. Awesome. So yesterday I was meeting with a client who was a coaching client who was trying to decide whether to take a new job. She's pretty unhappy in her current role. And we had a long talk about whether she was running towards something or away from something and how important it was to be, you know, running towards something. And one of the problems she was having getting really excited about this new company was trying to understand what the vibe was and will I fit in? And is it a place that will make me happy? It happened to be a fully remote job, which also adds a you know, twist to that. And she'd done a little research and the online reviews of working for this company were not great, but she kind of didn't know what to make of that. And anyway, so Tammy and Scott, like, what do you tell people about how to tell if they're job hunting, Mm -hmm. how to tell if this is a place that I will fit in and be happy and get to do the things I really want to do. This is a little, can be challenging and requires you to do some homework. I think there's a number of things that are put in front of you that you may or may not pay attention to. So how long did it take them to respond when you submitted your application or responded to the job posting? How did they treat you during the interview process? Were they timely, right? Were they seemed to rush in and out? Was their written and spoken communication clear and, and meaningful? Or, you know, was it weird and typoed? One of my favorite, um, which is a lot harder to do, Carmen, you said this was a fully remote. I used to love to drive by at end of shift or five o'clock and watch people leave the building. At five o'clock in three seconds, are people like sprinting to their cars? Or do you see groups of people kind of chatting and, you know, And again, to me, it's like, okay, I see one person there in a hurry to get out. Well, maybe they need to pick up their kids, whatever. Uh, Hey, the part at 505, the parking lot is absolutely friggin' empty. That might suggest something. You know, Scott, I think that there are a lot more clues in the interview process than people pick up on. Okay. So even the way that they ask their questions. Okay. The process, how many people are in that interview? Are those interviews one-on-one or is it a gang interview? Are they asking a set of questions that you can tell are just, they're on my list and they don't follow up with me? These are clues that talk about whether they're going to be relational as an organization or task-driven. 
whether they're going to be super conservative in terms of how they do things or if they are going to be very formal. So that piece about that is really take a look at the data that they're giving us and do some analysis. That's really what Scott's saying in the spot. I think people go into the interview and they're trying so hard to impress that they have forgotten that that interview time period and any interaction that you've had with this particular company, they are going to show who they are if you're paying attention. And that means your job is to be looking and analyzing and interviewing them at the same time, not just with your questions, but in also how they behave. So I think that piece of that is recognize that's your responsibility in that space is to take the data that they have given you and look at it. When you were in that, did you feel like, were you energized? Were you excited? Did they ask really hard questions that made you think? Or were they all softballs? What was that? Because there's a culture and you experienced it. So the question is, have you thought about what they've already shown you? This is interviewing. Many organizations don't do it well. You're going to learn a lot about that organization if you analyze that particular process. I also think looking at during the interview process, Tammy, when I think about the what questions are they asking you? Are they asking you questions that reflect they've spent some amount of time reviewing what you've sent them? So if you sent them a resume or whatever, like, did they bother to look at your LinkedIn or even read your resume? And are they asking more specific questions about your history or your experiences? Or are they just asking general And I think there's a time and a place. Hey, it's the first interview. It probably is appropriate that it's just general questions. Do you meet the requirements? Are you friendly? Do you seem to know what you're talking about? But hey, when you're in interview two or three, are they really interviewing you or are they checking the box? Going through the motions. Because that tells me almost everything I need to know. And Scott, how many times have we seen organizations who it's like, all right, we have someone in HR and they're setting up all of these interviews. You're going to go from person to person. And that person, you literally, it's my meeting with Carmen and Carmen literally is like, oh yeah, where's, where's my, yeah, I think your resume is right here. And oh yeah, where's my questions? And they have not prepared at all. Well, guys, I mean, that's like going on a date and the person at the other end, it's a last minute, they throw clothes on and they go. I mean, you know, you're supposed to put your best foot forward in this and that's a two-way street. So you, as the person interviewing, you should have done your homework about that company and all of that. And there is some homework to do before you go into the interview process. The organization has that same requirement to do the homework about these candidates If they really are looking to make great hires, it's not something that they do at the last minute and as a checkbox, get it done, right? We need to be concerned. That organization needs to be concerned about finding the right person. That means they should be getting to work to find the right person as well. If not, if they're rushed, if they're not prepared, if they are not into the relationship with you, well, they're they're not into you. That's a hint. Or their workload is so high 
that they haven't been able to prioritize something that should be a priority. You're right. Their workload may be high, but finding the right person to help with that workload, that should have been someone who was ruthlessly discerning that said, I need to set aside 10 minutes in order to prep because this candidate just may well be the person that's going to come in and make a difference in our world. And quite frankly, if if their workload is so high, that also might be a clue. Well, that, that's kind of where I was going. Yeah. It's like if, yeah. if their workload is so high or they're so busy with things that are not their priority, i.e., you know, hiring, then right. that's... And, and as a leader, hiring, to me, in your top two or three things that you need to do exceptionally well. And I think, you know, Tammy said it, it, it is analyzing the data. It's not saying, oh, we had one, one blip. They told me they were going to email me Tuesday and they emailed me Wednesday. Okay, there's one blip. It happened one time. Every time, every, every other time they emailed you when they said and it was the right info. Okay, that doesn't seem like a trend. Hey, they told me they're going to call me Tuesday, but they didn't call me till Thursday. And then they said, oh, they'll follow up with an email Friday. And I didn't get it till the following Tuesday. What the hell's going on? That's weird. And again, there is just a reality that those are probably indicators. Now, that's all the data in front of you. Where else can we get data? Well, that's that piece, right? So one of the things is look at the data that they're giving you in the interaction that you have and trust it. Are you getting energy or are you getting frustrated? Okay. Trust that particular data. Then there's the, everybody who has ever worked for this company, anyone who is currently working for this company. One of the great things about LinkedIn is that you can find that, right? You can put that in and people who have worked there in the past will come up. People who are currently working there will come up. And the fact of the matter is, you know, you should do your homework as someone who is interested in that, in reaching out to three or four people that would be in positions at the same level of the organization. Okay. Look at them, or do you know people who know them, those those connections? It is amazing how quickly you can find someone to give you an introduction in that space. And do some informational interviewing with them as well. What's it like to work there? Okay. Talk to me about a typical day. What is the, I'm going to use your word, Carmen, vibe inside the organization. What does the workload look like? What has the trajectory of the organization been in terms of its successes and failures, its peaks and its valleys? How do they behave when there is tough times? How do they behave when it's things are going really, really well. These are the pieces. It's it's not, and by the way, it's not just who's the manager, because here's the deal. You can come into an organization. Scott could be your manager this week and next week, it could be someone totally different. So, you know, don't get me wrong. I do think it's important to like connect with the person that you'd be working with, but please also know that shift. So you need to go beyond just who that person is that you're reporting and ask all those questions. The other piece is look at longevity. How long do people stay with this organization? And you don't even have to talk to anybody. You can look at that on LinkedIn. 
and look at how long they've been there, right? That's a piece of data that no need to have any human conversation. Just look. Is there ever a good way to ask about work-life balance that doesn't sound like, I don't want to work very hard? Well, Carmen, first of all, you just hit Scott Mice hot button because we don't we hate that phrase. And I'm using that word very purposely, work-life balance. This is such yeah, there's a whole nother podcast on that, folks. Go and listen to that particular one. Woo! Okay. And it does sound whiny in that space. But please know some people really don't want to work more than 40 hours a week. There are some people who are so on fire that that's not that issue. So I do think it is talking about what does a typical work week look like for people inside the organization? What does it look like in terms of how much independence that you have versus how much direction that you have, right? Carmen, how many hours a week do you work? Right now, probably 30, 35. Last week, 80. And who made the decision on the difference between 30, 35, and 80? I did. Right? What kind of company do you want to work for? One that says you have to be here 40 hours a week in your seat or 40 hours remotely? Or one that says, hey, manage your work, manage your life? So that's a question to ask, what does a typical work week look like here in this, in this organization? And how is that decided? You know, that seems to be a reasonable way. How would you go about it, Scott? Well, I have actually answered this question in this way. That's a great question. And there's a reality. You have to decide what is work-life balance. And what is work-life balance to you might be 40 hours a week. It might be 80 hours a week for me. And... There is just a reality that it is not going to be balanced any one day or one week. It is about the lo- it is about the total time because we might have a big project that we have to get done for the client and they change their mind 37 friggin' times and blah blah. Yep. You're just you gotta have to get it done. However, next week might be a little lighter. It also is a reflection of how well do you manage your time. So back to my 80 hour week, which is all me. (laughs) I'm sure that some people have been really turned off by that response. And Lencioni right now in in his in his podcast, I want to say the beginning of towards the beginning of this year, he was talking not about balance, but about integration. Mm -hmm. It's about work life integration that, you know what, if if we're outcome focused, and we're achieving outcomes, you're going to take off to go watch your daughter's softball game or, you know, soccer game, pick up the kids, go, whatever that is. Ideally, your workplace accommodates that and accommodates is probably not the right word, expects that. The piece about that, and again, so how much, come back to this piece, we should each be the king and queen of our world. We make the decisions. We drive that. And if your organization is saying, hey, this and this and this needs to be done, if you look at how you can go about doing that, getting that done with high quality in that space, 
and they give you the freedom of how you use your time, then you are the king and queen of work-life balance. You're making those decisions. And in that space, now there are some organizations that are still really managing by FaceTime, right? How many hours are you putting in? And the space is, you know, I would recommend that organizations say, it's not about how many hours you put in, it's outcome driven. What are the specific results that need to be done? And letting that individual manage their time to get that done. Now, if they manage their time and it takes 120 hours and it should have taken 40, we have a problem. Okay. And then that person says, they've given me so much work. Well, if that work could have been done, in a, a regular 40-hour work week, but this person is just hasn't found out how to be efficient, how to be effective, and how to choose what things to get done when, that is not necessarily the organization's issue. That's that employee's issue. And so that's why Scott and I are like, hey, in this space, you need to be the king and queen of your time, right? So yes, that's a question you can ask, but recognize as a person interviewing, the big question there is, is this a FaceTime organization or is this an outcome-based organization? And that's something you can find out, not by asking it that way, but by actually talking with people who work there, okay, in that space. Carmen, you also said something in the very beginning, which I want to come back to. You said, is this a place that will make me happy? So Scott, is the organization's job to make their employees happy? No, not in the freaking least. I knew as soon as I said that, you guys were all <laughs> over it. To me, it's this back to this. When your kids are little, right? Hey, don't hit your brother. Don't hit your sister. Well, well, they made me. No, right? They made me mad. No, you chose that reaction to that stimulus. I can't make you happy. I uh, was in a classroom last week with a gentleman that I fell in love with, right? So we did a class called Extreme Facilitation. I was in Nashville last week. And there's a gentleman there that the world has actually handed him a whole bunch of crap, okay? And it started when he was a young man and he is no longer a young man, but he has had a lot of trauma placed in front of him. And what was really interesting is even though he had gone through all of this stuff, this was the guy who was choosing every single day to come to the table and finding what's right in his world, what's right in his uh, employment, what's right with his boss, what's right with his peers, what's right with his marriage, what's right with his kids. I mean, this is a guy who there's a lot of stuff going on and he still had this really positive attitude. And that's another piece I will tell you. A lot of folks are looking for an organization that's going to make them happy. They're looking for an organization where they think life is wonderful and perfect. And the fact of the matter is, every organization has its upsides and its downsides. And the question is, are you paying attention to just the crap? Or are you looking for what's right? Because when you look for what's right inside of an organization, you can put up with a lot of stuff. In fact, the research says you only have to have about 20% of the work that brings you joy, the people that brings you joy, the stuff that 
energizes you. Only 20% of your, of your work needs to be something that really, really aligns with who you are from a value standpoint, from a time spent standpoint, from a skill standpoint, 20%. If you choose to pay attention to what's right. Otherwise, you could have 80% of the work be great, but if you're paying attention to the 20% that's not, you're still going to be miserable. So that's the other side of it is recognize every time you're going and looking for a company and saying, is this my home? You also have the responsibility of how you look at that home. And are you looking for what's right? Or are you purposely concentrating on what's wrong? Because you will be miserable if you concentrate on what's wrong with an organization, just like you would if you concentrate on what's wrong with your spouse or what's wrong with your kids. And that wraps up this week's episode of The Leadership Line. As always, feel free to reach out to us in the emails provided in this podcast description box, and be sure to check out our upcoming episodes always announced on LinkedIn. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.